You know, the thing about retirement means it's not necessarily that you're going to stop working. You just choose to do what you love to do. And now for Render My Money 2021 Session 9. I want to welcome everyone to this month's Render My Money class. Today we're going to do a little things different. Normally I would start talking about budgeting at this point because I want to finish the last part of the Dave Ramsey. But I want to start looking at the end first. So this class is going to ask the question, are you ready for retirement? And what we're going to talk about is get an understanding of just a clear picture of what you can expect at different age groups and what you should be doing. So when you think about retirement, there's some fundamental questions you have to really ask yourself. You know, you have to have an idea of what you want to do with your time. That's the first thing, because once you retire, you think you may just want to lay down and stop and do nothing. But usually that's not going to be very productive or enjoyable. But you want to know what you're going to do with your time. The next thing you want to know, think about is what do you plan to do? Are you planning to continue working? Are you going to travel? Those are questions. Are you going to start a business? Those are really important questions to really understand as you first start thinking about retirement, not even looking at your money. Now, some things you may be forced to do, but that's what you want to do. And if you're going to work, what you're going to do? You know, the thing about retirement means it's not necessarily that you're going to stop working. You just choose to do what you love to do. And I think that's one of the benefits of great preparation because it gives you that choice. Next question you want to ask yourself, who will you depend on for your personal financial support? And who's going to depend on you? A lot of times when people retire, their grown kids come and start draining all their retirement. There are some fundamental rules that you shouldn't do when you retire. Like one is you shouldn't pay for your kids' college education out of your retirement. And that happens a lot. You shouldn't be supporting your adult kids out of your retirement. That happens a lot. You need to know exactly if you're going to need any support from your kids from a standpoint of maybe your kids are doing well and they've offered you financial support. The next question is, where will you live? Now, this is something really interesting because there are places you can go where, and a lot of people are doing this, Panama, the country of Panama, not Panama City, but the country of Panama, the cost of living is very, very low. And a lot of Americans who retired moved to Panama. And I think Pastor Nathaniel and um, the brothers went to Panama one year. Very, very Americanized city. But one thing you do consider is decreasing your cost of living. So where will you live? Are you restricted in where you would think you enjoy living? Or are you focused on making a decision based on I'm going to explore the world and I'm going to live somewhere where I get the most for my money? Now, When you have family, that can be tough. But these are questions you have to ask before you even start looking at your money. So once you've answered those questions and you have a good understanding of what you want to do with your time, who's going to give you support and who may be a problem looking for support, (laughs) then you look at how much income you're going to need. And this is the thing that I think is fascinating because a lot of us think about Social Security. And we hear a lot of stories about Social Security is going to be gone and it's going to go away. But during the pandemic, we saw how easy it was for our government to create money. The government was throwing money around like it's, you know, pennies. 
So I'm of the opinion, this is not fact, this is just my opinion, that Social Security is going to be around. So the question I asked, I wanted to see, what is the maximum you can expect from Social Security? And if you go to slide number two, you will see at age 62, the maximum benefit per month is 23.32. And this is interesting because Social Security is based on an average of your best 35 years of working, and it's a fraction of that, a percentage they take of your best 35 years. They give it an average, and the most you can put in to Social Security is $146,000 over your lifetime. Now, this amount right here is based on somebody making between $130,000 and $130,000 a year. So if you retire 62, you will get $2,300. At 65, you get $2,800. And then at 66, you'll get $3,100. And if you wait till you're 70, you'll get 38. That's a $1,000 difference. And that's why you see in today's society, most people are working until they're 70 years old because it really pays to continue to work. Now, this is not for people who have pensions because sometimes your pension will, that won't make a big difference to you. But if you can continue to work and not take Social Security, you should wait. Now, the risk in that is you may feel some kind of way if you pass before you're 70 and they'll get your Social Security. <laughs> That's a joke, y'all. I hope you... <laughs> Nobody was laughing. That's what I called it. But that's the only real risk. The only real risk is something happens and you pass before you turn 70. But from a standpoint, you can't gauge how long you're going to live. And some people think, I'm going to get it now. Because I don't know. But then they lose the benefit of the difference between $2,300 and $3,800, which will be a huge difference. Now, this is maximum. So later we're going to talk about, but the average Social Security check is $1,700. That's the average. So Social Security is not going to do it totally. Now, you do have options. Because if you follow what we teach in the My Money class and you have no house note, then you can make up the difference with a part-time job. Now, there is going to be some taxes, but if you had no 401k, anything, and you took a part-time job to make up the difference, you could, you could live a, a decent lifestyle, probably where you were before. And that's why we say, think about, before you retire, think about what you're going to do with your time. So those are pretty simple mutual funds to put into your 401k when you're working in 20s and 30s. The key is, you should be saving at least 10%, because... The goal at 20 and 30 is to have three times your salary by age 40. That's the goal. Simple. So if I'm making $30,000 a year, then when I turn 40, I want $90,000 in my 401k. And when you're on track early in life, then this part is easier when you get in your 50s and 60s. Because now you're just recalculating and restructuring your money so you don't be in a high risk sort of situation with your investments. But if you have not done that, then you have to take a little more risk and you may have to do more sacrifices. But that's why it's so important for people who have kids who are just starting their work. Make sure they save at least 10 percent in their 401k. 15 is ideal. And that's what we really teach. But a minimum of 10 percent will get you there where you're at three times your salary by age 40. So that's what you want to do in your 20s and 30s. Next slide. Now, 40s and 50s. How do we prepare? Well, in 40s and 50s, this is when you want to start looking at your 401k and gauging how much money you think you're going to need at retirement. 
You also want to look at your 401k and make sure you start talking with a financial advisor to make sure you're in the right type of funds, 40s and 50s. Now, here's the interesting part. We sort of feel bad if we haven't started early doing things. But one of the things we have to understand is that the average American, the median holdings in a retirement for the average American is $61,000. So that's the median. That means half of the people are below and half of the people above that amount. So in your 40s and 50s, that's when you want to start figuring out how to get out of debt. And then you start really focusing on your 50s when you are your highest earning years, your 50s, to start accelerating what you're saving in your 401k, in your retirement. So debt is the main thing. And we talk about this, how credit cards is the number one thing that the highest interest rate. The average interest rate in credit card is 17%. So you want to start looking at all of your debt, getting out of debt, so you can make sure you can accelerate your, your investments. Another thing you want to do is you want to understand at age 50, you can participate in those catch-up contributions. Meaning right now in your 401k, the maximum you can put in is $19,000. But at age 50 and older, you get an additional $6,000 you can put in. So now it's $25,000 you can put in. So if you have the ability to decrease your debt, whether it's your house, and sometimes at 40 and 50 years old, you may be completing your payment of your house. And what most people do when they're about to pay their house off, they try to sell it and get a bigger house. One of the things I really want to stress is that usually at age 60, you don't want to be going up in your house or 50s, you want to be right-sizing. And right-sizing is not downsizing. So at age 50, if you had your kids in the 20s, in your 20s, your kids are 30, so your kids are grown. If you had your kids in the 30s, they're 20, they're about to leave the house. So you could think about right-sizing and getting out of debt. So your 50s are a really interesting time as far as your planning because it gives you a lot of options that you can that you can turn around even if you made mistakes early in your savings for your retirement but it's key you do it so getting the financial planner making sure you or and when I say a financial planner one thing I want to admonish is that when you talk to a financial planner in the beginning it's always good to talk to three different planners and the three types of planners you want to talk to is you want to talk to one person who's a broker, and he may be getting commission. Then you also want to talk to an institutional. So there are places like Fidelity and some banks where they work off salary. They're not getting paid a commission on what you buy. You see a difference in motivation, right? And three, you want to get somebody who, if you can, and you can find somebody who has specialty in certain areas. Meaning, if you're interested, like today, if I was investing for retirement, I would definitely want to get somebody who understood the new economy we're going to have with all the new technologies that's coming out. Because I want to have somebody who's really knowledgeable on what's going to be some of the things that are going to be fast growing in the near future. So if you think technology is going to shift, you want to talk to somebody who maybe have some background in the new things that are coming out so you can maybe be a part of some of these new technological inventions we have. Because we do realize that in the last year, our world has changed. It's going to change again because we're going to see a difference in how we operate. We see it now on how we even socialize with each other. But, you know, with Zoom and things like that. But moving forward, they're going to probably be holograms or things like that where you're going to be able to appear to somebody and you're not there. We already know that, you know, the way they're holding information in the clouds, it's going to be a different way that we exchange funds. It's not going to be cryptocurrency, but it's going to be a different way. 
So, you know, you just look around and you have to know everything, but you want to know the area to point to. So you get people who specialize and make sure you're a part of those companies so you can get the maximum benefit on your returns. So those are some of the things at 50 you want to be doing. Now, one of the things I like to always share is that at age 50, you also want to make sure that if you're going to take risks in business or starting a new career, that you really calculate your ability to make sure you don't create a whole lot of new debt. Because that's what happens with a lot of people at age 45 and 50. They say, I want my own business. And it's a great thing because sometimes that can be your retirement. Because if you start a business, it will be a revenue stream. But one of the things we see now is that there are so many new revenue streams that can help us that you are still part of the shared economy, you know, like Uber and things like that. I say that in my 50s, if I'm behind in my retirement, then I need to look at those type of industries that I can make additional money to help get out of debt or accelerate my savings. Everybody who's in the point of their 50s and behind should have been online looking at new opportunities to make extra income. And I'm not talking about multi-level. I'm talking about looking at people who are doing things like Uber and who are doing things like DoorDash. I had a young fella tell me that he was working UPS and he stopped working UPS because he's making $200 a day doing DoorDash and the grocery thing. What was that called? The grocery, he was delivering groceries. But he would say he would make so much money in tips that it averaged about $150, $200 a day. So I like to think of this rule, which is called the 300 rule. Because when you look at the financial situation in your 40s and 50s and you see you have a lot of debt, you have to sit down and get a sum total of your debt. And sometimes you may look at yourself and you say, wow, I have over half my income in debt. So if I'm making $50,000, I may have $25,000 in debt. And at that point, if I'm 40, then I want to take the number 10 and make a goal to be debt free in 10 years. And how do I do that? Well, you can't do it if you're working a job and your job is sort of where you're getting a salary. Now, if you work commission, you can sell more. But you work on a salary, it's different. But there are these new opportunities where you can work on the weekend and you just want to figure out a way to make $300 extra dollars. Because what $300 will do a week, it's going, if you can do that a week, it's going to give you $1,200 a month. And in 10 years, that's $120,000. So if I have a spouse and we're together and we're, you know, $80,000 in debt, then both of us going to figure out a way to make an extra $150. Now, that $150 is going straight to the debt or it's going straight to retirement. And that's how you accelerate things. You get the total and you break it down in small pieces and find things that won't take away from all your spare time. And don't get a job on a weekend where you're going to work and make $150, but it's going to take you 12 hours to do it. You want to find a job that you can minimize the time needed to do it. Like the guy working DoorDash, he was saying he would do that in three or four hours. And for Uber, you talk to Snapper, he says the same thing. And I saw it this week. I went Thursday, we went to the Tour Championship, see Elijah and I, and the Uber car from here to that was $50. So somebody made some good money. And that ride was 15, 10 to 15 minutes from here to Eastlake. So my point is, is that, you can't hide from your situation when, what your finances are. You have to know it, and you have to find a strategy to attack it. Now, I used to teach that you had to have, you know, 10 times your income by the time you retire. So if I, had, if I was making 50000 I got to have $500,000 in my retirement at age of retirement. What we're noticing now, that's still a good target. But we're noticing now, if people are working longer, then you have more time to get it. And don't look at working longer as 
you failed in your preparation for retirement, look at it as that you find something you love to do and get paid for it. I don't really believe that it's even healthy to do nothing. Because if you stop thinking and just look at TV all day, you'll see your brain deteriorate. You'll see your ability to remember deteriorate. you see your body deteriorate. One thing about working and moving is, in order to live, you got to keep moving. And so I like to look at figuring out what can I do that I love to do and get paid for it. So 40s and 50s, you accelerate your retirement. Now, 60s, you're in an interesting place because in your 60s, you are at pretty much the retirement age. But at the same time, you still go through the same process. You go through and look at what is my retirement at 60 right now? How much would I get from Social Security? How much do I have in 401k? Whatever I have, you need to know at 60. Because at that point, you want to start figuring out, okay, if I'm behind, I need to, first of all, know when I'm going to stop working. The second thing you need to know is, if I'm behind, I need to know, can I afford, if I'm going to stop working in five years, then I'm going to have to restructure what I'm invested in so it's not as risky. Because right now, just like everybody wants to buy a house or sell a house because houses are going through the roof and there's a shortage of inventory, If you're really smart, the only thing you should be thinking about right now is selling. You should not be thinking about buying. And the only reason you would sell now is because you're going to right size at a value where you'll be able to take your profits. You do not sell now to buy a bigger house or to buy a house that's more expensive than what you have because you're going to overpay. And we're going to see that in the next two to three years, the whole housing market may be different. You know, they don't report, but if you read some of the the, the financial news, there is a big, big problem with the fact of investment homes with small-time investors, people who have one or two investment homes, because a lot of those people had mortgages on those homes. And through the pandemic, a lot of people did not have the opportunity to get rent paid because people didn't have to rent, and you couldn't evict them. So they stayed in your house and didn't pay any rent, and if you had a mortgage, your mortgage was still due. And the problem with that is, even when eviction comes, if you evict the person, you're still not going to get the money to catch up with your mortgage. You know, you can go get a judgment and everything, but you can't get blood from a turnip. So if they don't have any money, it's going to be a lot of people that lose a lot of homes. So that may change what's happening in the marketplace when it comes with inventory, because whenever there's a shortage of inventory, price goes up. Whenever demand is higher than supply, price goes up. So I recommend that if you were going to sell a house, you had a way to wait three to five years before you purchase, and you could cash out that way. But outside of that, you do not want to cash out and sell your home to take advantage of this and then buy something else and overpay for that. This is a seller's market. So, but that is a way to accelerate your retirement. If you're able to sell your home and you're able to get something smaller or you plan on moving to a place that's maybe not in the city, but the cost of living is much less, Great idea. Great idea. If you can work and do that, or if you're retiring and do that, all that would change what you need. You have to know how much money you need to retire. So 60s, that is crucial. The next thing you need to do in your 60s is you definitely have to understand that if I have, if I'm behind, I'm going to have to keep working. So at that point, you know, showing up your health, making sure you start. I mean, I don't want to say start, but hopefully you've been doing that, but you got to be able to work longer because when we look at the numbers, and how many of you all have gotten those Social Security statements that tell you where you are with your benefit? Everybody get those? How many people have been working? You should get a statement like every quarter, six months or a quarter to come to your home. You should look at it and see what that pays out. That's one thing that you pretty much can guarantee that's going to come through 
if you haven't done anything else. So you can use that. But outside of that, you're going to need to really get going on accelerating your retirement and making more money. Some things you can't fix if you hadn't been doing the other things long term. You understand? So when it comes to 60s, you know, your tax impact is the other thing you're going to need to look at when you retire. The impact of what your tax is going to be on your retirement income. Now, how many of you all have ever heard of a Roth 401k? How many work at jobs that have Roth 401ks? Not a Roth, but a Roth 401 Now, the interesting thing about a Roth 401k is we talked about this before about 401ks. The Roth 401k allows you to put after-tax money into your Roth. Now, the normal traditional Roth, for, uh, Roth 401k, which is a traditional Roth, you can only put up to $6,000 in there. But the Roth 401k, which is only at your job, you can put up to $25,000. The only problem with that, you're going to lose the initial tax benefit. You cannot write that off like you do with your regular 401k. So that's money you have to pay taxes on. But here's the good news. When you take it out, it's tax-free and it grows tax-free. So if you've been doing your regular 401k for 10 years and you have a point in your, your tax expense, meaning what you expect to pay in taxes, you have a, maybe you got extra kids and you got something going on where you may have a low tax liability at the end of the year and you can stand to take that money and not put in your 401k, but actually pay taxes on it and put it in a Roth, it'll be worth in your retirement to have that done. Or you put some of your money in that Roth 401k. Take advantage of the Roth 401k because the good thing is there's no income limit. It doesn't matter how much money you make, you can do it as long as you're working at a job that provides it. But you need some money that you can put out in retirement that is not taxable. Everybody understand? Because when you get ready to pull your money out and you have all your money in your 401k and you pull out $60,000, you got to pay taxes at the $60,000 rate. But if you had part of that money in a Roth, and you only need to put out $30,000 out of your regular traditional 401k and the other 30 out of your Roth 401k, now you're paying taxes on only $30,000. Everybody understand what I'm saying? Because your tax liability would make a big difference in your retirement. So those are some of the things you need to really pay attention to in your 60s. Also, you need to start investing in a health savings account. Again, that's another tax break. You can put up to $7,000 in a health savings account. Because, as I mentioned earlier, your biggest expense will be your health when you get older, in some cases. When you take care of yourself, you may not have to deal with too much. But in most cases, you may have some health issues, and investing in your health savings account up to seven will give you money to put, and it can grow tax-free in an account. And if you need it when you get older, it won't pull from your retirement. Everybody follow me? So, you know, in your 60s, you got to make sure your home paid off. Your home should be paid off. Pay attention to your debt. Lie your debt as low as possible. Review your life insurance. Everybody here at that point should not have, well, if you've been here long, but if you have anything outside of a term life insurance policy, if you have something like a whole life, man, you probably paid in it so long that, you know, I recommend that if you got cash value in your retirement, you take it out. Because if you don't take it out, your beneficiaries will only get what the policy is rendered. They're not going to get earned cash in that whole life. You understand that? So that goes back to an insurance company. So if you have a whole life policy and you have cash value in it and you don't take it out, it does not add into the, the policy, the death benefit. It goes back to insurance company. That's why in this class, we don't recommend you get whole life. We say get term life and let that insure you until you don't need it. And if once you get term and you 
should have your investments and take that money. We heard that in the day, Rams, to take that money and put it into your retirement. How much and when to withdraw? Last thing. So typically, you want to withdraw about 4% of your retirement. That's the typical thing. But again, it's hard to gauge how long you're going to live. So if you're doing well, <laughs> 4%. You know, if you don't think you're on, but you, that's a risky calculation. The rule is 4% of your retirement is what you want to look to take out. You can supplement that, like I say, with earning additional income through work or, you know, doing other things such as, you know, I don't know what else you can do unless you sell your house. But, you know, working or having a small business where you can supply something that generate income. But 4% is the normal range that you want to take out of your 401k. So in all, the best thing you can do is not hide on a rock. The summary is find out where you stand now. Find out where you stand today. Find out how much you're going to get from your retirement as it stands today. Monitor how much you have your 401k as it stands today. And know your number. Again, that number is still the same. Typically, it's 10 times your annual income or household income. If you're a couple, 10 times your household income is usually more than enough to cover you through your retirement. But that's only if you're going to take out 4%. But if you need to take out more to live a lifestyle, then you might have to keep working and things like that. So that is basically all I had to talk about with retirement. I just wanted to get everybody to to get on board now because when we start talking to budgets, we now will see what happens when we allow interest rates or bad purchases to cost us more than they need to. See, all of this happens as you get towards your resting years or years you want to be able to control and do what you want to do. And... In our working years, we are making all the decisions off emotions, saying what we want now instead of being able to be disciplined enough to wait on what we're going to need later. And that is what the real basis of understanding your financial freedom and goals consists of. Don't always just think of what I can get for today. Make sure you've taken care of your latter years because, again, you know, as we get older, you know, we want to have that option. Right now, it's fine. You don't feel bad. You feel sometimes even rewarded when you're working in your working years. The bad part is when you have to work and you're 85 years old because you got to work just to do something so you can eat. Or you have to go on government assistance, which is, again, you know, it's not the best. But, again, we have time today to do the best we can. Any questions? Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. So that sounds like one of those government pension plans where you can't work. You get a tax or you get your retirement. You get penalized if you're working. So the first thing you have to ask yourself is, A, how much money do I need? Because sometimes early retirement, they're basically saying we'll pay you what we're going to pay you at 62 at 58. So now if you've been doing all of your retirement, you got your 401k up high, stuff like that, then you may say, well, That's fine for me. But if you need your full salary to survive or you have debt, then sometimes that early retirement may not be what you need. It starts with you understanding what are your needs. It really starts with you knowing exactly how much money you need and where you are in your retirement. So those are the first two things I would ask you to look at because sometimes people take corporate early retirements and sometimes they'll tell you they're going to give you three years salary and, you know, sometimes you get pension, sometimes you don't. You get half whatever. There is a net figure that you got to know, this is what I'm going to make from this point on. How does that fit with my personal budget? 
You see what I'm saying? So all the penalties and stuff of working and that kind of stuff, that's also an education. I know teachers have that in their retirement where there's a penalty if you earn a certain amount of money or it may decrease what they're going to pay you. And I don't know if that's only if you're working in education. If you're working outside jobs, I don't know if that applies. But some people, like some teachers would go back and do substitute teaching and stuff like that. But that's because it's probably you're paying back into that pension again. So I'm not that familiar. You have to read it and see exactly what you're talking about. But at the end of the day, your HR person should be able to tell you when they give you an early retirement, they should tell you what your net pay is going to be. And any stipulations that you cannot work to supplement that outside of the post office is something that I'm not quite familiar with. So I have to look at that. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's what I was saying. So in your Social Security, you have maxed out at $140,000 paying into it. So if you paid into it, that's fine. But if you have not, then they're going to steal with their money. <laughs> so... So that's Social Security. But again, I would get all the information because if there's a penalty for you working outside of that particular job, the post office, and getting penalized, and if it's not enough money, you can't do it. Just keep working. But if you're debt free and things like that, you may say, well, I'm tired of going in every day. And so I just have to have all the information on that. Any other questions? So anybody had the experience of going through it and getting to their retirement and because we got some people retired in here and everything was in place all the money you thought you had and everything were there anything that you ran across at that once that point that was a challenge okay tell me how many years you worked in the fire department 30 years in the atlanta fire department and i was planning on retiring with between 60 and seventy-five thousand a year and then get another work part-time somewhere until i reached age 70 and then get another Three or four thousand dollars a month from them, but they changed the code where if you work police, fire, they call that uh, government jobs. So they said, okay, instead of giving you three thousand dollars, we already pay your pension, so we're only going to pay you two hundred out of that Social Security. Okay, yeah, yeah, and that's the municipals, municipalities. You know, sometimes when they're having short tax, they cut. So when they're cutting different programs to raise money and keep taxes low, these are some of the programs they can change. So, yeah, so that's municipality. So, you know, and those are some of the things that happen. And so, again, working for the government, you know, you're usually subject to, and corporations too, if they get on bad terms, you know, you can lose your pension there too. But most people are not doing pensions at all anymore. That's why right now 50% of the people are not expected to go back to their jobs um, in this covid because you don't have any pensions and you 401k, you can move and go wherever you want to go. Or you find somebody where you can work home. Any other questions? All right, well, we're going to get out 10 minutes early today. <laughs> so remember, if you take away anything, go home and know exactly where you stand in your retirement. Do not wait until you're 65 or 66 and start trying to save. Start today. And just know where you are and make any needed adjustments, um, understanding exactly what your income is going to look like in retirement. Right. Okay, so she's saying purchasing a home today at 55 and over, right? Or 45. Should you purchase a home or stay in your rental property? Oh, you're talking about 55 and over government assistance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a home. Yeah. Well, again, that's based on your income. So the whole thing about 55 and older, they still give you a reduced rate, but they still going to base it off your income. So a lot of those homes, like there's some right by Morehouse. 
beautiful apartments, you know, sort of nice. But if you're making a certain amount, you may pay the regular rate. So you have to research and see how much your income and how much of a benefit is going to be for you to stay in those 55 and older homes. Now, in your retirement, that may be something you can consider. But should you purchase a home now, under no circumstances, unless you're homeless, should you purchase a home now? I would stay where I am, or if I'm a sale, I got to be able to sell and not have to buy right away. This is not a buyer's market. It's a seller's market. So anything you get now, it's going to be pretty high because right now there's just no inventory of homes. So do I know if the market's going to come back down in three years? No, I don't know that. But I do know it's going to come down because this is not a real appreciation. Remember, bubbles are things that appreciate faster than the inflation rate. That's a bubble, meaning inflation rate is supposed to be 3 to 4% a year. That's inflation rate. So if you buy a car and one year is a certain price, the next year is 3%, that's normal inflation. 4% increase is 4% higher. But if you buy a car, you see a car you like, and the next year is 20% higher, that is a bubble. That is an emotional purchase. For some reason, that car's maybe that car was in the movie that everybody wanted, like a Charger or something, you know, or... That is inflated not on the normal inflation curve. So that's what we're seeing with a lot of houses. That's the same thing happened in 2008. It was different because in that case, it was because mortgage companies were giving loans to anybody. So you had more buyers. Same principle. You had more buyers because they were giving loans and less supply. Now, due to the pandemic and you got a supply chain problem, meaning we can't get wood, we can't get nails. Now you got... More buyers and less supply. Prices shoot up. So once we catch up from the pandemic and supply chain opens up, prices come down because now you got more of it. You got, you know, it's not a shortage. So my thing is that I don't ever want to be on the wrong side of a purchase. You know, I don't want to buy a house. I mean, it's a great time to sell a house, but you got to have an understanding where you're going to go. You can't go into a house like if I had a house that I paid $100,000 for, right? And I was about to retire. And I could sell that house right now for 600000 Will I sell it? Yes. Then what I'm going to do? I'm going to go get an apartment <laughs> for a year or two. You see what I'm saying? Because you take that profit. Or I go stay with my family member for a year. You see what I'm saying? But you don't take $100,000 a house and sell for five hundred. Then go buy a $400,000 house that's the same size. You just took your profit margin down from 400000 to 100000 You understand? So... As it pertains to purchases, you need to make sure that you're getting close to the age. Anybody over 40 years old needs to be really investing in their retirement. So that's why I did a short part about 20s to 30s. Just say 10%. So at age 40, you got three times your income and you are on point. Then you can start thinking about this stuff I'm saying now. But 40 and older, you got to be getting out of debt, and you got to be making sure you're putting money, and you're on par where you need to be in your retirement. Any other questions? All right. Well, we're going to see you guys next month, and y'all have a great weekend. Be safe. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was Session 9 of the Render My Money 2021 series by Gerald Render. This message is number 4534. That's 4534. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 4534 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. 
Listen to Brothers of the Word.com often because brother you need the word. Oh, brothers of the word.